Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Sups Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Welcome, everybody, to... I told you I was going to start loud. You told me I was going to start loud. Welcome, everybody, episode 131 of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. It wouldn't be the same if you didn't deafen the listeners just a little bit I gotta, yeah, I before gotta, we jumped into I it. i got to wake them up a little bit, right? Yeah. Get yeah. Them waking, let's go. It's let's like, go. It's, it's like the horn energy. in a car. You know, yeah. it catches your attention. Yep. I'm the horn in a car. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's great. Uh, okay, so we got a lot of stuff going on, but uh, episode 131, first of all, uh, and we're happy we've done 131 episodes. That's so cool. We have man. a special guest, Evan Doan, in studio. The Ev- Evan, Evan Doan. Right. The one and only. Yeah, Do you buddy. know any other Evan Doans? Listen, I've seen this dude speak to a crowd in front mm-hmm. of the state capitol. I've Evan's every everywhere. recovery day he's like doing his thing. Like he is the Evan's Evan Doan. Evan's kind of a superstar. Evan, welcome. Hi. Good to be here. Good to see you. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Evan happened to be in St. George for another reason, right? Yeah, here for the fall conference, the yeah. fall substance abuse conference. So Yeah, we've had a little hiatus some in the fall conference for a little while. COVID kind of messed that whole thing up. But. Yeah, so I think this is the first year they've been going since in the last four they were yeah. off. So they had a little, there was a, what was that? There was a little thing last fall up in Park City. Remember that? There was. It yeah. was a, um, was it, that really it, fall conference? It was, was not. It, okay. <laughs> it was an imposter fall conference, okay. I believe. All right. but, it was yeah. like the Kroger version of yeah. fall, fall <laughs> it, conference it seems like it was, it was a, no I, t- to be honest it was some well-meaning people that were worried that fall conference was going to go away right. and Good. they really just wanted to make sure that it was still going to happen and so right. they Love got that. together and said if the state's not going to do it we're going to do it and so yeah. I, I appreciate that yeah, it was all right yeah. yeah it was good i was there i spoke yeah yeah even that was fun uh, I, I care about the golf tournaments the most so <laughs> let's be honest i've been to enough fall conferences now that uh, hey, will you start us off with, uh, we have some sponsors that make this thing all happen. So The best sponsors. You want to hit us with uh, who they are, please? Absolutely. Episode 131, part one, is brought to us by Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is an adult substance abuse and mental health treatment provider. Steps Recovery Centers provides all levels of care. They have a medical detox facility, multiple residential treatment centers, and outpatient services reaching from the top of Utah to the bottom. Recovery starts with you, and at Steps Recovery Centers, there's always hope. Call them today at 801-800-8142, or visit their website at stepsrc.com to learn more. We love Steps Recovery Centers. Yeah, I love Steps Recovery No, we love centers. them. They're, they're, we're grateful for their help and letting us do this, so we yeah. do love them. I think we have another sponsor you want to talk about real we quick. We do. Yeah. Episode 131, part one, is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic supplement line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. They have two powerful blends. Mindful Mood helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood, while Mind Shift helps increase focus and optimize brain function. Place your order today at riseupsups.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S-U-P-S.com. They recently added a subscription feature where you can save 30% off your monthly orders by subscribing cancel at any time i always feel like we we just we mention the sponsors and we greatly appreciate them but let's tell the truth this thing wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the sponsors no, no, we we do appreciate the sponsors we wouldn't be doing this yeah man. i'm not paying for this thing out of my pocket <laughs> like yeah. this this is it, I, we wouldn't do it yeah so we're grateful to them for we sure appreciate them it allows us to do this and we enjoy it so it's been fun yeah right been doing this for Two and a half years. Yeah, it's been it's been cool. It's been fun. It's super so, cool. Uh, well, we have uh, Evan is here, and so let's get started with, there's a couple of things that I wanted to run through. We're kind of changing a few things on the fly. We uh, we had Evan scheduled, and also Mary Jo, who is also, Mary Jo McMillan, who is also with USARA, was going to be here, and she had another engagement. So we have Evan the whole time, which is great. Uh, I know Evan's very capable of changing on the fly, like I love doing. Uh, I've seen Evan on news stories, and he can he can handle us changing on the fly. He's not going to be, he's not going to be some. We have some guests 
What we started with initially was we were we wanted to tell people stories, but we wanted to really focus on what they're doing in recovery, like what what recovery has brought to them. We don't want to focus on the the sort of early stuff. We want to focus on how has your life been improved by you being in recovery, right? That was the initial concept of what which we thought we, we were doing. Which we can't always control. And I love everybody who's been vulnerable, who's been willing to come on and share their story on here. Sometimes it ends up being 52 minutes of a war story, let's be right. honest. Yeah. And, and the we, concept is we want to not focus on that stuff right. necessarily. Can I, it's can okay. Ask, we don't blame other people. but Can I ask Evan, though, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself and letting the listeners know your position with you, Sara, yeah. and kind of... Yeah, so my name is Evan Doan. I'm a person in long-term recovery myself. I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> I knew it. Well, I knew you knew that. Because if we had... Because we just had Tiffany. Because the yeah, last time I was... Sorry, you saw a script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I'm the associate director at USARA, which is the Utah Support Advocates for Recovery Awareness. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, but <clears throat> who are you? Well, I know a, you're a person in long-term recovery, but yeah. let's get to know Evan just a little bit. Where... Where are you from? Where were you born? So I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Okay. Um, both my parents were nurses. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of normal middle class family. Sure. And uh, um, uh, both my parents were great people, just kind of old school hippies. But, you know, uh, just very <laughs> caring, love old loving hippies, people. Though. Yeah. <laughs> that's, by the way, that's sort of me, except kind of a wannabe hippie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't decide between preppy and hippie. So Fair. Fair. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, you know, just kind of a normal upbringing. Um, and uh, my, my dad ended up in hospital administration. He got an MBA and he was the vice president of Texas Children's Hospital, which at mm. the time was the largest children's hospital in the country. And I think still is. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, by all accounts, things were going well for our family. Um, when I was 11 in 1996, um, my dad died suddenly by suicide oh, and um, wow. we had no warning. There was no, um, there's nothing that led us to believe that he was struggling with depression or any, any sort of underlying issue. Uh, he didn't leave a note. He didn't leave any explanation behind. He was just gone. Mm. And uh, it, it sent our family into kind of a tailspin. You know, we didn't know what to do. And so my mom trying to do the best for our family moved us to Salt Lake City, Utah, because we have family here. We have extended family here. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, we tried to go on our merry way. Um, and, um, uh, mm. but you know, my mom had lost the love of her life. You know, my dad sure. was truly mm. her, her life partner and, um, and she was just devastated and she didn't know how to get things back together. And she turned to drugs and alcohol as a, as a solution for that. And so I grew up in a, um, highly dysfunctional alcoholic home, um, where my mom was, often, you know, just unavailable because she was actively drinking and using drugs. None of that to your knowledge before your father committed suicide. You know, I, I, I suspect that there probably was some of that going on that okay. my dad was kind of keeping hidden from us. Okay. So I don't think it just popped up out of nowhere. But I, I do think that, you know, it was my dad's death that really exacerbated her okay. drug and alcohol sure. use and really kind of... It wasn't an issue that really impacted you prior yeah, to that time. Never knew as a kid that, okay. you know, my mom was had any of those kinds of predispositions at all. All right. Which, um, is, which is the danger in that right because right. that's not a that's not an uncommon theme right people use either socially or recreationally introduce trauma into their life the substance has become a coping mechanism. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, my mom was a caring, loving person when she was sober. And she was, you know, she was a lovely person. And she, um, you know, she was a nurse. She cared about other people. She was deeply compassionate. That's, I think, to this day where I credit all of my, you know, knowledge of compassion for other people comes from my mom and my dad. Um, but when she was drinking, she was, uh, she was mm. horrible. And, um, she wasn't, know, when she wasn't your mom. No, she wasn't my mom. Right. That, yeah, absolutely. And, um, she was, you know, she, she was abusive with my brother and I, and, mm -hmm. um, that was, you know, verbally, but also physically as well. And it, mm -hmm. it got to the point where the state got involved and we were taken out of the home and we were putting in, into foster care, Ooh, um, wow. taken out of her custody. And, um, this is while you were living in Salt Lake. Yeah. In Salt Lake. Okay. Yeah. And, um, uh, my mom, you know, went to treatment at that time, which was great. Um, she had actually ended up going to a treatment, um, um, nonprofit treatment facility that still exists in Salt Lake. And, uh, she did well for a while. And so she got custody. Of is that back. a, is that a USARA thing to not mention the name of the treatment facility? You know, I just don't okay. <laughs> because it's, especially when I'm on programs like this, because okay. I don't know if it's going to conflict with one of your sponsors or, right. you know, so right. I, the cool I, thing about I, our sponsor is they love everybody. Great. They work with everybody. But they you really don't, don't mention care. I don't, I don't need you to say it. I just wondered that was like for reals though. Yeah. I've never once, I can honestly say this not one time. And I've had people from other 
treatment centers on here sharing their story and talking about their facilities. Yeah. Not one time have I ever had the owners or any executives of Steps Recovery Centers reach out and say, hey, cool. don't do that no more. Yeah. yeah. Which that, is speaks volumes. They just leave us alone let us do our thing. Yeah. And, we, and we've I mean, had also, some people specifically from treatment centers come in to talk about their treatment center. Right. Oh, we sure. want people to tell us what they're doing, right? Yeah. And so I also want to be sensitive to guys. not endorse we you know, any, that. You know yeah. particular treatment from center. From a USARA from a US, standpoint. Yeah. From right. in my, in my that, capacity. That USARA. makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because um, you can't be picky choosy. No. I, and, you support always. We do. We pathways. support all pathways to recovery yeah. and Which we cheerlead, cheerlead everybody in recovery, right? Yeah. Everyone can get better. And so we and that's sure. why everybody loves USARA. That's right. I sure hope so. But we love everyone back. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, my mom did well for a while and got us back in her custody, but you know, it, that didn't last long, unfortunately. And, uh, ultimately, uh, I was 27 when, um, I was, I was living with her at the time and I had started struggling with my own substance use. Uh, and one morning I discovered her dead and, uh, she had just, she had died as a result of her drug and alcohol addiction. It wasn't an overdose, but, um, she had a, you know, a, um, uh, cardiac arrhythmia in the middle of the night and she didn't wake up. And so, uh, yeah. and I had to break you, the news. You're the one that discovers her. Yeah. Yeah. And it was tough. It was really, really tough. I can't imagine. Right. I mean, talk about trauma. Right. So, um, I mean, but between losing my father, my, my mom's experience with addiction, then losing my mom, I mean, that really spun me out. Well, for sure. Right. So I would already spin anyone out. <laughs> right. Right. To, regardless of whether they have di difficulties with substances or not, that would spin anyone out. Right. Well, and what's interesting is that, like, you know, in my in my teenage years, I was committed to not using substances because I was growing up in an alcoholic home. I knew mm -hmm. what those did to people. Right. And I never wanted to become that. I never wanted to become that monster that my mom became when she drank. You had a front row seat to the chaos. Exactly. And, and, and so I was committed to not being that. And so all throughout my teenage years and into my early twenties, I didn't drink or use substances. And it, it wasn't until my, you know, early to mid twenties that I started experimenting, going out to largely, you know, gay and lesbian nightclubs because I'm a gay man as well. And so, you know, that's where gay people find communities, in, sure, sure. you know, gay bars. Sure. And, um, and so I would, I'd go out with friends and have a drink here and there, but for the longest time, it's still, I was always the DD in my group of friends. I was always like, you know, they called me Evan Tubi Beer, right, because I was I would drink two beers <laughs> and I would be done. Cut Just myself enough off. to be socially right. accepted. <laughs> That's and right, we're done. right, right. Yeah. But you know, I think that you know through the combination of trauma I was experiencing at home, and then with the loss of my mom, things just went off the rails. And um, you know, I found myself drinking more than ever, doing substances that I never imagined that I would do, um, and doing things that I never thought I would do. So you know, breaking the law, you know, all those kinds of things that yeah. we do you know, when we're using substances. So was yeah. there, now this is totally the clinician in me coming out, but looking back at, are you able through your There's a clinician in you? Where? Yeah. Well, who said that? Let's have an exorcism and get it. <laughs> <out of> <laughs> Can you look back and, and find empathy for what your mom was going through after kind of, you literally went through the exact same path that she walked? Absolutely. And you know, that's the, that's the part that I, you know, I wish I could have a conversation with her now. Mm. You know, yeah. now that I've been on the other side of this, because well, we have an open chair over there. We can do a gestalt <laughs> open stall, chair. And you just gotta switch <laughs> switch places. A I've few done times. plenty of that in treatment. Okay. Thank you. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I mean, the, I I do have this empathy now that for what she was going through because at the time when I was a kid, I just thought she didn't love me enough. I thought that mm. she didn't love me enough to stop drinking. Mm -hmm, but sure. now I know it's not a matter of love. Right. You know, absolutely. It's, it's it's not about that. It's about you know. Just, it's about a drug becoming more important than anything else in your life. And I've experienced that. Yeah, this is the, that, that brings me to something that I say to people all the time. Drugs and alcohol are the one thing on the planet that can break a mother-child bond. There is very little else on this planet that can do that. Right. Right. I mean, all kinds of traumas and stressors and they won't break a mother-child bond. Right. This will. Yeah. Yeah. And it ripped her up. I mean, it tore her up inside. I know right. looking back, especially right. to know that she was drinking and she knew that she was doing this to her kids, but she couldn't not do it. That's the power of drugs and alcohol right, right. there, man. You know what I think is super cool is you wouldn't be the Evan Doan sitting here today nope. if you wouldn't have gone through those experiences. hundred yeah. percent. Right. Like, so looking back, like, man, thank God those things happened to you because right. It created the person that you are today. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. It created a, it created a monster, it a guy who's a monster in the treatment industry. <laughs> yeah, like, really, a monster for recovery. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> it really right. did. Like it's, yeah. it, you're really a, a person that a lot of people look up to. Well, thank you. And I know that people don't like to hear that and everything, but 
You have a wonderful name in this industry for sure. I don't have you. Heard, I don't know how many people you know that know Evan, but I know a bunch, and nobody dislikes Evan. Like nobody dislikes Evan. I know you're. I'll stop now. Thank you. I know this is getting. <laughs> I know this is getting. He's getting as red as the red I on the it. wall. I get yeah. it, but but Evan, you're a really like, and maybe it's this. Like all the stuff you've been through has brought to you, and all the stuff, not all the bad stuff, all the stuff has brought to you some comprehension and understanding of other people's trials and tribulations because that's some, I mean, that's crazy trauma right yeah. there. Yeah. But also the the good stuff, the stuff you mentioned, like you learned compassion from your parents. Right, right. Like you learned how to be kind to other people and to care for other people from your parents. And all of that stuff has has created this right here. Well, and what I've learned too is that, you know, the, the moments where I experienced real profound lasting change in my life were, were when people loved me and when I was acting in really unlovable ways, right? <laughs> they loved me anyways. And and that's what changed me. It wasn't people threatening me or punishing me. Mm -hmm. It was people saying, Hey, I care about you and I want you to see I want to see you do better. And 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 them sticking with me, even though I was doing things that were abhorrent, right? Sure. So Yeah, that's all that's awesome. All right. Well, you went to treatment, I assume. I did. <laughs> I did eventually, yes. So, What um, got you to treatment? Well, you know, so I, I ended up um, on the East Coast. I had I'd taken a job out there, and, and I, I started struggling again. I was actually homeless on the streets of Washington, D.C., and uh, it's not a fun place for a guy like me to be homeless. I mean, sorry, <laughs> I, I, I might have gone somewhere for two seconds in my brain. <laughs> yeah. What got you to Washington, D.C.? I was uh, working for a nonprofit organization. Okay. There. So okay. I've, I've always kind of worked in the nonprofit, the nonprofit. kind of social justice okay. world, right? Right. And so, uh, you know, the USARA is not a, a leap for me. It's it's always been kind of in my DNA to want to help and do, you know, help people do better and help okay. people stand up for themselves and for their rights. Might literally be in your DNA. It might literally be. You, right. you came from yes. a family that I, did that. Absolutely. Right? right. Exactly. I don't know how to do anything else. Right. So, but I'd, I'd been working out in DC and, uh, you know, I started to struggle and that got really bad. I, I ended up homeless on the streets mm. and uh, mm. I had a friend from high school who called me. You're supposed and, to be homeless in Arizona. Right. Southern <laughs> California. It's it very cold in Florida. DC. Yeah, right. Not DC. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, you'll freeze to death in DC. <laughs> but um, this friend from high school called me and 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 she said, "How are you doing?" And it was the first time I'd been really honest with somebody about what was going on. And mm. I, I said, "I'm really struggling. I'm having a really hard time. This is what's going on." And she said, "Well, can you get to the airport?" And I said, yeah, I think I can do that. She's like, well, I'm going to fly you back to Salt Lake and we'll figure out what we need to do from there. Mm. And so she flew me back to Salt Lake City and she took me into her home. Uh, within the first couple of days, established that I was a hot mess, right? <laughs> <laughs> I needed a lot more help than she could provide. And uh, she and some of my friends from high school all banded together and pitched in money together to get me into treatment. They wow. helped me buy health insurance because at the time there was not Medicaid broadly available. Right. Um, so they helped me buy it. And there wasn't Obamacare. Right, there was no Obamacare, right, was Obamacare right. yes, yeah, many years ago. Right. So they helped me buy a health insurance policy that would send me to treatment. And wow. then they came up with the the... Uh, Co-pay amount that the treatment center needed wow. to take me in. So those um, are some friends. Yeah, and sure. so one of those friends, uh, it was a friend's mom, and she's a high-powered attorney in Utah. And um, I remember talking to her, and I and I said, "This is a lot of money," because she was contributing five thousand dollars to this mm. fund for me to get better. Wow. And I said, "You know, this is a lot of money," and she said. Well, it's not a lot of money to me. You know, I'm, I'm an attorney. I make lots of money all the time. It's not a lot of money to me. But she said, this is the thing, Evan. I, I like to invest my money, and I can see that this is going to be an investment that pays off. Mm. And not in financial mm. ways, but I know you, and I know that you're going to go, you're going to turn around and help other people with this. And so largely my recovery has been about paying that $5,000 back. So <laughs> That's cool. What a cool thing yeah. for, to say to somebody, right? right? You, you feel some obligation now to, to pay it yeah. back. And, and every year I try to give her an update about what I've done this year for, wow. with her investment, right? Wow, How that's so paid cool. back in the world. So hopefully she that's, feels like she's gotten her money back. I guarantee you <laughs> she feels like she's so. got her yeah. money back. Yeah, that's cool. That's a cool story. Yeah. And that's a, what a good human being. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He, he really the lady is. that well, the lady that put up the money. Oh, yeah. she's like, great too. No question. Yes. But she saw greatness too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And she th <laughs> she thought this will yeah. be worth it. And it love that it has for sure. So yeah, I, I ended up going to treatment, and then when I got out of treatment, um, that friend that had called me. 
uh, said, I want you to meet my next door neighbor. I'm going to take you to her office. And uh, she was so my friend who grown up next door to Mary Jo McMillan, who okay. is now the executive director of USARA. And so she took me to USARA and, and I sat and met with Mary Jo. And uh, Mary Jo and I just hit it off mm. and just, I mean, instantly clicked. Like we just, That's cool. we were, we could tell, right? And, and she was speaking my language, especially about the work that USARA does to advocate on behalf of people in recovery and to help, you know, change public policy and, and um, you know, change laws that impact people uh, with addiction. And the cool thing too is, uh, let me pump the brakes, make yeah. sure. So I have heard some things of Evan Don. I do know some people that know Evan. I've always heard good things. Is it true that you were also a recipient of a sobriety foundation scholarship? I was, yeah, at that time, yeah. So, and now you get to serve on their board. I'm on their board of directors, yeah. So that's amazing, right? Like, and again, it's one of those pay it forward kind of things for me that, like, right. I was given this gift, and so now I try to serve the organization to help them continue to pay it forward to the community. But that is it, right? That is, if you go down the list and you get to the very final twelfth step. This is what's happening with 12 step yeah, stuff, continue right? To carry the and I'm not, yeah, I'm not talking necessarily just about AA, but I'm talking about the guy was the lowest of low people in the Sobriety Foundation. That is a recipient. And I'm not uh, lowest of low is such terrible language, but he's a recipient of a scholarship for some sober living. And he turns that around and now he is helping them raise funds so that other people can have scholarships that go to sober living that can't afford it. It's yeah. pretty cool. And we love the Sobriety Foundation. They're kind of like a a non-donor sponsor. Yeah. We we do, we, we we love Sobriety Foundation. They're great. So. Yeah, just amazing. And and then they saved my life, right? Like at that time I didn't have family that would have put me up, right? Like I did not have anywhere to go after treatment. And so that that couple months that they paid for me to be in sober living really got helped me get established and kind of get me, you know, going before it's foundational man foundational absolutely yeah that's the thing that struck me about your story was a little bit is if i as i'm as you're telling the story i'm trying to imagine in my mind what do i do if i am in washington dc and homeless i call my dad Mm. i call my mom you didn't have that right they were not there yep like physically not yeah. there. They literally like, weren't there. And, and for me, it felt kind of like jumping without a safety net, right? right. Like I didn't have that to fall back Scary. on. So many people do, right? right? I mean, yeah. But it's not universally true. Not everyone has those resources, right. but you know, a lot of people do. It also, it's, Scary, it's also though. something that keeps people using though too. It does. It can. Yeah. Because, right. right. you know, I, I, the best intentions, right. And they can become enablers. Definitely. And sometimes I think that people that have a lot of resources have a much harder time getting better than someone who has nothing. It's very true. Really weird, weird kind of way how that works, but yeah. Or never mind. I got nothing. Hey, we're close to out of time on this segment. We do want to get into some of the stuff you do with USARA and specifically talk about some things about how USARA is helping with legislation that helps those of us that suffer from substance abuse. Um, But... We have this little segment that we do at the beginning. I don't know if you noticed that I completely skipped over it. <laughs> I just decided to just run and do stuff. We usually have new and goods. Mm. You ever heard of that? I have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jared, what's new and good in your life? A lot, man, a lot. So this past Tuesday, I got to play in the conference golf thing that that you were by invited last, to. By last Tuesday, you mean yesterday? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's okay. It's been a week for me, man. It's only Wednesday. I'm with you. I got the same <laughs> same kind of week. Evan's got a worse week, probably. <laughs> Which was cool. It was fun. It was fun to get together and do some, you know, fellowship and some relationship building. And so that was really Did good. you guys lose to those cheaters at Wasatch Recovery? Oh, man, the Wasatch Recovery, <laughs> those boys know how to have fun and they know how to golf. They, I'll tell you they, that. They play golf. There's a lot they of golfers They were really on good. Yeah. Man, they got substitutes. Under. They got substitutes that can play golf. I mean... They got people there that play golf. Yeah, I, no, it was it was super fun. That's kind of my new and good is okay, good. I got to get out and do that. I, I man, I have a lot of new and goods. Got yeah. A lot going on. I these could days do new good. and good with Sean, but I think Sean is ill, and so I, I'm not sure if I can do it. Sean, I, what's new and good in your world? I have a new fever, and I don't feel good. There you go. <laughs> that's new. That's I don't new know and that bad. That's good. But that's new and bad, right we'll there. We'll keep trying, buddy. We'll keep it's, trying. It's, it's just a different level of good. We got you. Yeah, it's the lower level of good, right? Good point. We got you in our prayer, Sean. Get better. 
Evan, anything new and good in your life this week? Oh, man. I'm down in St. George this week. This is amazing. So, okay, that's good. Yeah. And uh, we just had our big recovery day celebration in South Salt Lake on Saturday. That's right. And that was amazing. That's right. The, good. The biggest yet. So I heard. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah, we're going to get into some more of those that are coming to people's local area in part two of this. We'll okay. dive Great. into announcing some. I just want to do it until, you know, September's a big month in recovery. So yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Take some time and do that. What about you, Doc? Well, we got 20 seconds left. I can't do my spot in 20 seconds. You can show your pants, though. (laughs) (laughs) You guys should see the Doc today. Uh, I'm not going to show you my pants. I don't think I can do it. I'm stuck back (laughs) here. That's Seller Silly Seconds right there, everybody. Those golf pants. (laughs) Those are new. I don't know about good. We'll be back right after this short little sponsorship mention from Steps Recovery Center. Those look like how I you feel. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. If you or your loved one is trapped in the cycle of addiction, there is a way out. At Steps Recovery Center in Utah, we believe in second chances and new beginnings. Our evidence-based treatments, compassionate staff, and supportive community guide you on the path to recovery. It is time to reclaim your life. Take the first step towards freedom, resilience, and a brighter tomorrow. Reach out to Steps Recovery Centers today. Recovery starts with you. And at Steps, there is always hope. Call us or visit our website to learn more. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Sups in the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, welcome back. This is episode 131, part two. Our guest is Evan Doan from USARA and from Life. Uh, he's from a lot of places. Uh, but before we get to, to content in episode, in se- segment two of episode 131, I want to mention the Hilton Garden Inn. The Hilton Garden Inn is also a sponsor, and they are wonderful to us. If you happen to find yourself in southern Utah, you'd do yourself a favor to type in Hilton Garden Inn to your Google search and look them up. They have amazing amenities. They have uh, Their rooms are gigantic and lovely, and the hotel is really clean, and their pool's amazing. Really is. Yeah, we've we been, love the Hilton Garden. Yeah, you know, we've sat in the hot tub in the rain before. It was kind of fun, <laughs> actually. Stay warm, and while we were getting rained on, that's a lot of fun. So they have some great stuff, and uh, if you if you are traveling this way, give them a shot at your business. Uh, okay, let's move on. We have we want to get to in segment two a little bit about some of the things that Usara is doing. Um, and that was the concept of the episode anyway, but I didn't know I don't know how many of our listeners know who you are, so I'm glad we got to Absolutely. sort of know yeah. your backstory for sure. That was super helpful. I want to do my new and good, is that okay? Yeah. You mean the because I, I don't do sellers new, silly I don't seconds. do new and goods. I do sellers silly seconds because I'm terrible at new and goods. Hit us with what's the research say, Doc? What's the well, latest and greatest gonna, in the research? I'm going to introduce you to a study here. I feel like we need a sound effect for this. It's like we you know, need some sellers silly seconds sound effect, Sean. What do you got? There you go. That's what we got. <laughs> That's what we got right there. That'll work. Okay, so yes, play some goofy circus music in the background. That'll be great. So, uh, researchers taught rats to recognize whether something was being said in Japanese or Dutch. And the rats could accurately, after they spent some time training them, the rats could accurately pick whether it was a Japanese sentence or a Dutch sentence. And guess what they found out? If they played the sentences backwards... The rats couldn't decide whether it was Japanese or Dutch. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that the the rats could speak Chinese. No, they if they played no? them if they played them backwards, they were Charles. They were uh, 
How much money they did they spend on that stupid that's study? That's the thing right there. I don't know that, but somebody spent some money training rats to recognize Japanese and Dutch and then played the sentences That's your, that's your so hard-working tax that, dollars at work, that's folks. Money, that's money for you well spent. Oh, glad that the rats couldn't understand whether Japanese backwards or Dutch backwards. So, so the, uh, I like to highlight some, some of the dumb things that medicine does. I love it. Yeah. We, um, we have done some dumb things in the past. One, and continue. One of the things that I'm... I'm glad. So today's topic is uh, USARA influencing legislation. Yeah, that's in this in this part. We want to get to for sure. Yeah, because I know the USARA on like a ground level what they do. Right. Right. Like we're going to talk recovery days here in like two seconds. Sure. I'm going to make some announcements to events coming to all over the state of Utah. (laughs) Yep. You're a busy guy. You're traveling to probably a lot of these, right? Yeah. Um, but also like. I know that a big part of it is that legislation piece. Definitely. Legislation Peace. piece. Words are hard some days, Evan. <laughs> I get it. I get Words it. are hard some days. Um, and so I'm excited to, to get into that. So recovery days in the month of September. To, why are recovery days important before I go through this list of announcements? Yeah, so September is National Recovery Month. Um, in 1989, SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, designated September as National Recovery Month. And so we celebrate recovery all across the state during the month of September. And this year, there's an amazing 13 events statewide, which is more than we've ever had. That's big. But part of the reason we like to have them all across the state is because we like to people people to see the community that exists in the, reco- the, the community in which they live, right? Like if I go from St. George to Salt Lake's Recovery Day, it's great, but it doesn't mean much to me, right? But when we have a Recovery Day celebration in St. George, you can see all the people in the recovery community here that exist, all the resources that exist here, and really connect to the to, to the recovery community. That's really what it's all about, uh, right? right. Thanks for saying that, because I think people think look at Recovery Days and wonder what it is they can get out of it. One of the things you can definitely get out of it is resources yep. that might be beneficial to you. All kinds of treatment centers will have booths there and tables there, and USARA will have a booth right. there. Yeah. And there, I mean, there's just a bunch of things there. Now, it's fun. Yes. There's a lot of fun there. Yeah. There's performers, and there's games, and there's stuff, and there's, but also tons of resources. And definitely. The, and I think that too often people in, uh, that are recovering in smaller communities. So somebody in Vernal, for example, thinks, oh, there's no recovery community in my town. Well, I'm sorry. There's a lot of substance abuse in Vernal. Right. <laughs> there's a lot of substance abuse in... A lot of small towns. Everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Right? It's everywhere. And these smaller towns... Now, some tiny towns may not have much, but Vernal's got stuff. Right. They've got recovery resources. They've got a community. They've got some stuff. So... Show up to your recovery days and support it, and also maybe find learn some things for yourself and get some resources that might help you someday. Exactly. I and mean, there's a recovery day in Vernal. I was just going to yeah, say right. that's the top of my list. Yeah. September 22nd through the 24th is recovery days in Vernal. Um, so that's awesome. That's coming very, very quick. And E from Utah, talk about another small town. That's a small town. Mm-hmm. Saturday, September 30th from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock at Canyon View Park. We have Davis County. That's September 30th as well, from 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock at the not, Layton. Not as small a town? Not, no, that's that's a little bigger. That's home to you. Yeah, I love Davis County. Uh, not as much as Washington County, but okay, moving on. This isn't about me. <laughs> Sorry. It's at Layton Commons Park, Davis County. Again, that's September 30th from 1 to 6. Canab, uh, Canab's is on the 18th, so right around the corner. That's from 5 to 7 o'clock. Then we have up in Utah County. That's, that's where... You love it's Utah. home to me. Yeah, buddy. That is right now. September 16th. So that's this weekend from 5 yeah, o'clock it's, it's to 7 Saturday. o'clock yeah. mm-hmm. at Riverside Park. It's Saturday, and a friend, at, and a friend of uh, all of us, mm-hmm. Ryan Hymas, who's been on this show. Mm-hmm. Ryan is from uh, the Sobriety Foundation, where Evan and mm-hmm. I serve on the board. Ryan Hymas is performing, so... Show up. Yeah, he's going to be playing his guitar and singing, and it's going to be a good old time. I love it. That's yeah. So That's awesome. In St. George, we have September 21st from 5 to 8 o'clock at Vernon Worthland Park. Let's see. In Ogden, Saturday, September 23rd from 5 to 9 at the Ogden Amphitheater. Uh, Moab's has passed. San Juan has passed. I'm trying to give you just the current, the latest and greatest. Yeah, go to the Did one I that was last any week. Did I miss any off the top of your head? I think I got them. I think you got them, yeah. But um, people can find all of that information on recoveryday.org, which is our website that has all of the Utah celebrations on it. And if you're watching this on a social media platform, 
we will include that in the link. So Great. I will put that in a comment. Great. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's surprising to me because I just brought up Vernal because I actually knew there was a Recovery Days in Vernal. And Vernal's a small town. Yeah. I had no idea there was a Recovery Days in Ephraim. Yeah. Like that is This cool. is the first year. This yeah. is cool. So first right? year for one in Ephraim. That's yeah. a small community. Yeah. yeah. This, this is actually the second year there's one in Canab. Yeah, and, Canab's uh, a small. Yeah. Right. Also right. the first year there's one in San Juan County. which Right. Is, yeah. yeah. That's I'm cool. Just, yeah. Fellas, Good I love stuff. you both. We got 17 minutes okay. to tackle let's the make, topic let's of this. Let's make it happen. We can do right it. here. Thanks yeah. for keeping us on track. That's what you no do problem. best. Because <laughs> I ramble. Evan, let's talk about some of the things USARA does. And yeah. one of the things we wanted to talk about, of course, was what is USARA's involvement? Like, how does USARA get involved in legislation in the state of Utah. Well, you were talking a minute ago about how people in medicine do stupid things. Yes, and they do. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a long history of people in medicine and in, in legislatures doing stupid things about addiction and mental health uh, issues in our country, right? Especially sure. when they don't involve the voices of people who are directly impacted by them. So, um, you know, for many years in this country, and, and, and still is largely the case, you can get locked up for, uh, you know, having a substance use disorder, essentially, right? Thrown in jail or prison. Can I say something? Yeah, about that, please. about my profession. Yeah. The reason substance abuse is a legal problem in the United States of America is we as physicians shirked our responsibility to treat people with the disease and pushed it off. We don't want those people in our right. waiting room. Yeah. Well, that I think was that, the attitude. Yeah. And so it now it's a, now it had to be handled by the legal system, which exactly. has led us to where we are now. Right. And we're, so there's a lot of that to undo. Right. Or the country. opposite of that. They wanted those people in their waiting room because they were pill mills, mm. which created the well, problem. Well, sure, there's, right. a couple of, there's a couple of those kind of the doctors. The old candy man from yeah, Salt Lake. Definitely. A couple yeah. of those guys, too. Yes. But as a general rule, medicine failed people with substance use disorders. 100%. And so part of what we do is, and, you know, we borrowed this phrase from the National Disability Rights Movement. Uh, we say nothing about us without us, right? So if you're going to be having conversations about people like me, somebody like me should have a seat at that table. And honest. so USARA really got started in 2006 to be that voice, to represent the voices of people with in, in recovery from addiction in the halls of legislative power. And so we've done a really good job, I think, over the years in being present at all of those tables where those decisions are being made. And it's still a large part of what we do. It's, you know, during the legislative session, I'm up at the Capitol right. every day <laughs> talking to legislators right. about how pieces of legislation are going to impact people like you and I. Right. That's interesting. I, I, this year I was at during, I was there during the legislature yeah. for a little bit, yeah, mostly I because I have a friend that is a lobbyist, right? Mm -hmm. And he asked me for some help on, you know, this year there was a, we talked about it on this podcast, but there was a bill about, um, Legalizing Sorry. mushrooms yes. and yep. not legalizing, but uh, what was you proving therapeutic? Yeah, yeah, they were they were trying. Oh yeah, without going through the regular regular channels, they were trying to decide whether we could just allow this in the state or not. And right. so we were up there for that, and I saw you guys there. And the the legal process is something that doesn't really uh, most people just don't understand how this happens, right? Right. The the legislators were glad to listen to me. 100%. Yeah. They will listen to people. They definitely do. They listen to people that show up and take the time to meet with them. And right. I had people coming out of meetings to meet with me out of like, you know, they're in this subcommittee or something and they'll come out and meet with me for five minutes and I get a voice and they listen to it. Absolutely. They don't necessarily always change their minds, but they do listen to they it. Do. And one of the things is most people don't know that. And so people don't, just nobody goes up to the Capitol and tries to get a bend someone's ear. Right. You saw us up at the Capitol trying to bend people's ears. We are. Right. right? And they want to hear from folks like us because right. we're subject matter experts. And they also want to hear from their voters because ultimately we're their boss, right? We're the people that get to choose whether or not they keep their job. Right. right. And so that they want to do, they want to do right by us. They want to make sure that, that we're going to pass off on their next election, right? So um, they, they do truly want to do the, you know, the will of the people and make sure that they're representing the voices of the people that they represent in the community. Do you know, do you know how, 
how do you guys monitor what bills are coming up? That's like, a great how, question. How do you get, uh, like in your, how does that come to your radar? Yeah, so um, there are literally thousands of bills that are considered every year in the, in the legislature. And the legislature is only 45 days long, right? right. It's six weeks in the spring. It goes right. super fast. And so it's, it's intense just, during it's, those six it's weeks. It's intense, though. yeah. Right. And so it's coming at us from all directions, right? And so we really do our best. I have a bunch of searches set up to kind of monitor bills as they come out to determine, you know, what, what might possibly impact people in recovery from addiction, but that can be lots of different kinds of pieces of legislation, right? It's health right. stuff, sure. it's legal stuff, right. lots right. of different kinds of uh, issues that, that could be, you know, impacting folks like us. Right. So really it's just a matter of trying to review all of the legislation as it comes out as best we can and see, is this, does this matter to folks like us? And if it does, we try to take a stance on it. Um, if it's going to, you know, impact people like us. Sure. So you, you guys have to look at every bill essentially. Uh, essentially I mean, you don't yeah. have to read every bill, no, but you but, have to look, you have to look at the titles at least of every bill. Right. And we've got some help That's to do thousands that. Of yeah, bills. Right. And so, but you, Sarah actually by statute has a seat on this body called the USAVE council. It's the Utah substance use and mental health advisory council. Okay. And it was created by the, the legislature in 1996 to act as the state's drug czar. So we don't have a drug czar in the state of Utah, but we've got this USAVE council and you Sarah has a seat on it. Okay. And so USAVE actually does a lot of the hard legwork of reviewing all of those pieces okay. of legislation. They, they, they look at everything that touches mental health and substance use. And so I've kind of got a little bit of a cheat sheet going in, well, sure. <laughs> which helps. Sure. Um, but, I, you know, I have um, this this last year was the first year we had a public facing bill tracker on our website that people could go look at um, and see all of the bills that we were looking at and tracking it throughout the legislative session and whether or not we'd taken a position on it. And if it was what, what the position was. So um, we're trying to continually evolve that process to get more people involved in the fight, because, you know, when legislators hear my voice, they 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 listen to me. Right. But they, they know what I'm going to say a lot of the times. Right. Sure. And it means a whole lot more when it's coming from everyday people. Across OK, the state. so that's my next question. Thanks for leading into that, because that's exactly yeah. what I want to say next. You have a public bill tracker on your website. We do. What should that mean to the to the average person who is in recovery? Yeah. So, you know, I, why, why do I need to look at that? Right. I, I would I would tell you that I think that it's tough to follow legislation up there, right? Sure. It's a complicated process, and a lot of people don't understand it. Sure. And if someone's interested in learning more about that process, what I would encourage anyone to do is find one piece of legislation that matters to you and just track it throughout the, the course of the legislature. Just mm. see what happens to okay. it. Because you can learn about what happens to the process. You're like, oh, why did that go there? Or why did it fail at this point? Or, you know, and so I would encourage you to go to our website, look at our legislative bill tracker next legislative session and find one bill that matters to you. See if something and, peaks your yeah, interest. Just, and just follow it and just see what happens throughout the legislative session and, and okay. learn more about the process. That's the best way to get educated about okay, it. Okay, so now I've done that. Yeah. And I found a bill that I'm interested in, but I'm not just interested in following it. I no. want to make a difference. Right. What Absolutely. I, well, now what do I do? Contact your elected officials. Okay. So everyone in the state of Utah has a state representative and a state senator. Um, and so you have two people that are representing you up at the legislature. And so you want to contact both of those people. And, okay. and the magic word is to say, hi, I am your constituent, which means you're someone that lives in their district. You're okay. one of their voters. You're mm -hmm. one of their bosses. Right. And that actually opens up a lot of doors that makes that keys them in to know I should really listen to this person because this person can vote me out of office. Okay, great. So yeah. that's okay. So I found a bill about the state wants to legalize mushrooms without going through the regular process. I have a state senator like whoever. I don't want to name names because I frankly can't remember who my state senator is. That's <laughs> sure. not good. Sure. Is it Barbara Dayton? Is she still in the Senate? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, so that tells you how old I am, by the way. Barbara Dayton's husband was my old partner as an OBGYN. That's, that's why I remember her name at all. But So uh, I can find who that is. Yep. I call their office? You can call their office. You can send them an email. You can go up there in person and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. So there's lots of different ways of contacting them. Um, I think that the most impactful thing is if you can make it up there to talk to them in person, that's always got the most impact. Okay, so I'm, I'm scared to do that now because I'm a, I'm a nobody, right? Oh, I get that. And, yeah. um, and uh, how do I meet with my state senator? That's a great question. So if anyone in, wants to meet with their, their elected officials, 
I'm always an open door. I'm always happy to be as a resource uh, and, and help introduce people to their elected officials up there. So oh, if people that. reach out to me, I'm happy to put them in touch with so you. So you can call USARA. Yeah, call USARA, talk to Evan, and I will go up there with you and introduce you to your elected officials and, and kind of facilitate that conversation. Because I know it's hard. I know, it, I know it can be an intimidating process. You just made it easier. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Here to help. Strength so, in numbers, baby. That, that's definitely. You know, awesome. one of the things that I think this whole thing starts with is exactly what we've tried to do on this podcast is make people aware of what the heck's going on there. Right. Like this year, we've covered two bills that were put into legislation. One of them was to turn people who are selling fentanyl, not turn them into, to charge them right. with um, manslaughter right. if they are convicted and proven to be selling right. fentanyl. Um, not quite sure what happened with that, but got, we wanted to put that on people's radar. Yeah, I got defeated. Um, so that was a bill that was up by the legislature this last session. And so they were actually going to be charging people with homicide, drug, drug induced homicide is what they called it. Right. So if you got, if you were a person that got, you know, caught in somewhere in the process of, uh, helping to, you know, facilitate someone's fentanyl ingestion, right. You got, we were involved in selling it to them or administering them to them. They wanted to charge those folks with homicide. And if, if you bought some fentanyl and shared it with your buddy, they were yep. going to, okay. Right. Sure. Right. And we, so USARA yeah. was against that. We were. Yeah. Explain to me, help me understand why USARA was in the position to vote that down. Well, so we, we did not vote at, at all. On or it. at just least advocate, advocate against Yeah, it. we just That's advocated. Fair. And part of the reason we took a position against it, um, to be fully transparent, is because we've seen these bills pass in other states in the United States, other okay. uh, other jurisdictions, right? And what we had seen happen in a lot of these other areas across the United States was those bills were weaponized against people in recovery uh, or people with substance use disorders, right? So um, we know that most often the people that are giving you the drugs are usually friends, family members, loved ones, uh, people that you might be in a relationship with, right? And so often all around the country are seeing all these people getting locked up who were like the spouses of or, or best friend of someone who just died as a result of their substance use. It creates fear. Right. One of the things I know USARA does really well is try, they ed try to educate on like harm reduction. Right. On the Good Samaritan yep. laws, right? Definitely. So, if I'm somebody who falls under the spell of fentanyl and I know in my state that if I'm involved in some type of circle with that, if I have a buddy that's overdosing and he needs life saving support, I'm less likely to call 911 and get my friend help yep. if I have a, what was the charge again? The drug induced homicide charge. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's selfishly, that's going to weigh oh. my option way heavier. And so hundred percent, I want to to kind of cover that because I think a lot of people that don't understand this from that perspective are like, that sounds like a great idea. Right. Let's put away the bad guy. Right. Right. However, unfortunately this is the real world and there aren't always good guys and bad guys. Right. Sometimes exactly. there are just situations that are tragic. Definitely. And you know, we've done a lot of great work in our state around substance use and mental health. Um, in the last few years, especially, I mean, we've gotten Medicaid expanded in our state. So people can get on Medicaid now. And that was never the case, you know, 10 years ago, uh, we've gotten naloxone broadly available in the state of Utah, which, you know, some people thought would never happen here. Right. Um, and you know, naloxone, the only thing it does is a reverse an opioid overdose. But before a few years ago, you couldn't get it outside of a hospital hospital emergency department. Right. And now anyone in the state of Utah can carry it. And and since that law has been on the books, 10,000 people have been reported to be saved in the state of Utah wow. but from, from naloxone alone. Wow. So there's 10,000 people at least that are alive today that would have been dead just a few years ago. The other thing is a lot of people can get it for free. Yeah. Totally. Like this, yeah. you can get naloxone a lot of places for free. Right. But even if it's not for free, Doctors can and should be prescribing naloxone 100%. to their patients that are on opiates. And that was another bill that we we got passed this last session, too, was, was that in say. some some cases now, when a doctor prescribes a combination of opioids and um, uh, benzodiazepines, Benzos, okay. yeah, it's, it's required that they also talk to their patient about naloxone. The deadliest combination of two drugs in the United States. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Benzos and opiates, yeah. Right. We also um, covered um, students carrying naloxone mm -hmm. yep. because in some states they've started to make it, you know, so that if students are carrying any prescription and it's not registered with the school, they can get in trouble and get expelled. Right. And what we're seeing is predominantly it started in California. Some students were carrying naloxone because they had friends that were opiate users right. and they didn't want their friends to die and they were getting expelled from schools. 
I just like the whole movement. You know, one of the things is, is it is a prescription, right? And so like if I, a week ago, I, I was asked by my sister to, to educate her class of tech pharmacists on opiates and substance abuse. Right. And one of the things that we were talking about in the locks on the different forms of medications and they brought up, well, if you don't have a prescription, how do you carry it? Mm. And that we're starting to kind of get away from that. Like if you have a loved one that had, that struggles with opiate addiction, go to USARA. You don't, don't you guys give out? We do. Naloxone. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. And Utah Naloxone is another great resource too. Yep. There's a nonprofit that so gives out So you don't naloxone. have to necessarily have to have a prescription no, to right. carry it. Yeah, you won't actually, get in trouble is what I'm trying to say. True. And, and the FDA actually just uh, recently cleared it to be over the counter. So now they're selling naloxone in grocery stores across the country. I did, how, how come I didn't know that? Yeah, it's just wow. the last couple months. Really? So, yeah. So do you know of stores that are doing this? I now? have not seen it on the shelves I yet, but I, 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 from what I understand, it's the nasal formulation of naloxone, okay. so it's the spray version. Sure. And I think that what they've said is that two doses will cost about $45. So, you know, it's, hmm. long. it's, it's not, not, not free, cheap, but it's but, not right. terrible. But I mean, maybe, hopefully that makes it more accessible to even more people. Sure. What well, makes, that's awesome. What makes it, we only got two minutes here. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having such fun. I forgot we had a time <laughs> limit. I was just going to ask, because I'm curious, right? I'm personally yeah. curious. What's the determining factor in what sides you guys take on bills? Great question. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, my my litmus test is uh, I listen to, other, uh, to lots of people, right? I listen to lots of voices in the recovery community because I am only there to represent the voices of all of us, right? And so Love if that. there's a lot of dissent around a particular issue, we won't take a position, right? Because or if there's a lot of, you know, uh, disagreement around, you know, how, what, what we should do on something, we don't get involved because we want to respect that people in recovery disagree. But at the end of the day, the litmus test that I use is, is it going to help me, is it going to help more people recover from addiction or not, right? And so if it's going to help more people recover from addiction, we'll be, we'll be supportive of it. Good litmus test. Yeah. Excellent litmus test. I like that. And um, dead people can't recover from addiction. Absolutely. 100%. It's always been a, you know, initially when we first sort of, when I first got involved in this kind of harm reduction thing, right? I, I'm a little hesitant yeah. at harm reduction stuff, right? And uh, I struggled with it for a long time. And I've come a long ways, obviously, but I still have a long ways to go too. But uh, dead people can't recover. They don't. They don't. And we all know dead people. We do. So... Evan, I just want to thank you for being willing to come on yeah, our humble podcast. Well, thanks episode. so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm and sorry it took me so long to get here. You're okay. <laughs> you did well, phenomenal. Fun today. episode, and I will episode. I will commit to you. I'll get Mary Jo on this program. All right. So, I think Doc and Mary Jo need to do one, and you know I what I mean, because so they got some history. They do. Man. Yeah, and that would be a fun episode. I want to hear that I'd story. Have fun. <laughs> Mary, Mary Jo is the yeah. one person I credit with yep. changing my brain way of thinking. So, Mary Jo, you've been called out. <laughs> yep. Let's get it. Hey, Evan, thanks for coming. Super thanks. good. Lots of great information. Remember, on our website, we'll have all those recovery days, dates, and links and stuff like that. Usara, please go to Usara. Thanks for your Thank time. you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center, Rise Up Subs, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.